All right, Stephen, thank you so much for making time to be here with us today. I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks, Dustin. I always love talking with you, and especially on this <laughs> podcast. Change starts here, so this is great. <laughs> well, it's the third time we've talked. Uh, we've spent you know quite a bit of time talking about your last project. The last time we spoke was about right after you, you released or right before you released your Trust and Inspire content and book, and it's been amazing. I know at that point, you haven't really done a lot of speaking engagements on that content. And since then, you've traveled all across the world talking to educators and non-educators. And I'm just curious, when you think about educators specifically, what themes have you noticed come up from either superintendents or district leaders or principals about the impact this work of Trust and Inspire has had on their lives or what challenges it's helped them overcome? Yeah. You know, there's there's two things that come to mind as you as you state this. Um, and again, what it's been exciting since we last spoke because I have really been all over the world and I've done a lot of work with educators and with, uh, with, with districts and at superintendents conferences and, and um, within schools themselves. And so I've got some strong thoughts about this, but I would say there's two things that jump out. Um, here's the first, look at the challenge we have today in education with both burnout of, you know, education workers and, that's especially true of teachers, but the Gallup research showed it's the number one industry that's facing burnout, K through 12 education. And, and uh, overall, you know, everyone within it, especially teachers, but also administrators. So there's a burnout and there's also the need to make sure that we retain our talent, retain our teachers, retain our people. So the turnover, burnout and turnover. And so here's the insight. If we kind of double down and just work harder within the existing paradigm of how we've been leading, I think what's going to happen, because that paradigm of leadership traditionally has been more of a compliance-based, hierarchical-based, what I call command and control leadership. If we, can, if we kind of just work harder within that paradigm, I think what's going to happen is we're just going to burn people out faster and drive them out of the profession faster. We need a more accurate map or paradigm of people and of leadership. And command and control is not it. Even the enlightened version of command and control. We really need to move to what I'm calling trust and inspire, which is a more complete and more accurate map or paradigm of people and of leadership. And that's what's going to energize people and breathe life into them in our teams, in our cultures, in our districts, in our schools, instead of burning them out. It will also enable us to not only retain top talent, but to engage it, to inspire it, the, the, our, our best people, and to bring out the best in our people. So we need a new way to lead in this new world that we're operating with. And command and control doesn't work anymore as if it ever really did. Trust Inspire does, and it's needed today. And it helps us with two of the biggest problems we're facing today, which is retaining talent, teachers, administrators, staff, and energizing people at a time that there's a lot of burnout. And so how we lead matters enormously on that front. That's the first big thing. When you, when you think about that, I, I just want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So, you know, my, my wife's a chief of staff at a school district. Most of our friends are educators. And so 
when we think about the fight that they're in, you know, a lot of people are passionate about the work, right? So they're inspired to be inspiring every day. Yep. However, the biggest problems they have often are adult challenges. And so what you're saying is a lot of times it's the command and control. The, the leadership is not tapping into their talents, I guess. I, give me an example or, or what do you think an example is of what that trust-inspired leadership looks like and feels like in either a building or an organization? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, look at it this way. See, the um, compliance-based approach top-down, hierarchical, command and control. Again, I'm not against compliance. We have to comply. Yeah. But <laughs> commitment in, will achieve compliance. We will comply when we're committed, and we can do so much more. And and so, but for as an example, sometimes um, our control, our, our approach tends to be so um, traditional, hierarchical, top-down that, you know, here we are, we trust our teachers with our students and yet don't trust them to control the very thermometer in their own classroom <laughs> mm. because it's sometimes just rigid the way we've set it up and structured. And so the idea here is that yes, pe that people choose to go into education because they care and they're good at teaching and they care about students and they care about people and they're passionate and we want to tap into that and we want to, clear the path and remove obstacles and people want to feel trusted and they want to feel inspired. I like to put it this way. People don't want to feel managed, but people do want to feel led. And when they are feeling managed or even micromanaged that you're telling me every single thing I can do or can't do and how to do it. And I just, you know, if I'm a teacher and I'm feeling micromanaged instead of really trusted that I know yeah. my students, I know my topics. I know my subjects. I know how to teach and I'm empowered. Yes, I have expectations and standards, but I'm not being micromanaged on how to do everything that I'm doing, but I feel genuinely trusted. That inspires the teacher where they feel, hey, I'm not only in this because I care about students and I love my topics and I love contributing and making a difference, but I feel that I'm trusted myself. And I feel inspired by the leadership. They believe in me. My principal believes in me. And my superintendent believes in me. And I feel it from them. And they trust me. And I feel inspired by them. Then you're going to really tap into all of their natural passion and inspiration they feel to begin with at just an even far greater degree. Instead of having them to say, oh, I feel so passionate about my students and so inspired by teaching, but I have to wade through all this all this complexity and micromanagement of trying to be a teacher in this district. And instead it's, no, I feel, I feel trusted. I feel inspired myself by my principal and by my superintendent. And so my greatest passion is coming through. So it's really just trying to tap into that in ways. And, and, and then I think that how we lead matters and we make that shift from command and control to trust and inspire. So we can do precisely that. There's, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I, I definitely am stealing. I'm going to text my wife right now while we're talking, but I'm going to give her the thermometer example. Is like we trust our kids with all these students and these big responsibilities. But it is so true. I think about my classroom. We didn't have an AC unit, but I wouldn't have been trusted with it when I was a teacher. And so that hits a little too close to home, actually. Uh, <laughs> my question 
in regards for a leader, so that's, I can start seeing it, but let's say I'm leading my school rep, my own district, and I think I'm a trust and inspire leader, but I don't fully know what kind of encouragement or resources could you point me to, to help me figure out if I truly am living up to my highest potential as a leader and creating a trust and inspire uh, culture? Yeah, it's a great question. And first of all, let me say this. I think we're, we're all on the journey of becoming trust and inspire. I, and I think that, you know, we're always trying to figure it out. We're always trying to become better. And no one would probably go in and say, hey, I'm a command and control micromanager. <laughs> no one's going to say that. But, but sometimes we might find this. Our, our intent might be good that I want to be trust and inspire. I want to see the potential in everyone, the greatness. And I want to communicate it so that they come to see it in themselves. And I want to develop it and I want to unleash it. And I want that for my administrators. Let's say I'm a superintendent. I want that for my administrators. I want that for my principals. I want them to feel that I see their greatness and I communicate it to them and I develop it and I unleash it. I trust them. I want them to feel that. So my intent might be good, but sometimes our style gets in the way of our intent. And so, okay, I might believe that and, and believe that and feel that in my heart, but am I coming across that way to them? So maybe I ask this question, maybe I do believe that people have greatness inside of them, that my leaders have greatness inside of them, that my teachers have greatness inside of them, but how do I show up to them? How would those who I, who I lead and serve, how would they describe me? in terms of seeing and unleashing their potential for greatness. And rather than doing it kind of generically, maybe go one by one with each of my direct reports. How would this principal who I serve and lead describe me in terms of seeing and unleashing his or her potential for greatness? And so I'm really trying to kind of assess how am I showing up to people one by one? or one-on-one, on one, as opposed to kind of like, of course, my intent is good. I want to unleash everybody. It's how do I show up for each person? That's maybe a good litmus test of, do I see, communicate, develop, and unleash the greatness in others? But then I would move to things, the stewardships of a trust-inspired leader, to modeling, to trusting, and to inspiring. There's three stewardships. So, you know, how am I doing as a model? Am I modeling the behavior I would like to see? If I want to see more respect in this district, am I modeling respect? If I want to see more openness, more transparency, am I modeling openness and transparency? If I want to see more empathy, am I empathic and modeling this empathy towards others? So I, I always kind of look at, am I going first? And then that's modeling on trusting. I'm really asking the question, okay, if I model well, I'm, I'm probably being trustworthy. But the question is, am I extending enough trust to people? And because that's what I find, Dustin, is the biggest gap in creating trust is less that we're not trustworthy enough and more that we're not trusting enough, giving the trust, extending the trust. And so, again, kind of the litmus test of do I trust my people, but do I trust this leader, that leader, that principal? that curriculum head. And so I'm trying to say, how do I show up to them? Do they feel that I trust them? And, and so I'm trying to, again, go from this macro thing of I trust people to 
How do I show up to each person? Do they feel like I, like I trust them? And finally, inspiring. And the idea that inspiring others is actually a learnable skill. That it's not just for the charismatic. Everyone can inspire. Do I, do I show up in a way that inspires those about me? First of all, do they feel that I'm inspired? Because it's hard to inspire another if, if you yourself are uninspired. And if you're burned out yourself as a leader, maybe the first thing I need to do to inspire others is become inspired again. Maybe I need to rekindle the inner fire inside of me. And, and, and that happens to all of us at some point, probably, where we got to kind of reconnect to our why and you know, light our own fire within so that we can light other fires. An unlit candle can't light another candle, but a lit candle can light another candle. So um, do I inspire others by first being inspired myself? And I feel like my why is so clear, it's coming through and it's warming people and it's lighting other candles because of who I am. And then am I inspiring others by the care and the connection I show by connecting with people through a sense of genuine caring, even love, and a sense of belonging. We're building something here. I belong to this. My identity is tied to this. And am I also inspiring by connecting people to their purpose, to their why, and to meaning and the contribution? So I'm trying to find the ways of, of inspiring others because that's what people want in their leader, a leader who inspires. And so I might say, Yes, I'm inspiring, but am I showing up that way for my people? And especially when I go through them one by one. So I'd kind of maybe look at the, you know, how do I see people in leadership? How do, um, the paradigm. And then how am I doing on the stewardships? And rather than just asking the question broadly, although I do, you know, do I do this for my people? I'm, I want to then take the question down narrowly. How am I doing one by one with each leader? It's a good test of how am I really showing up for them. One thing you talked about was inspiring. I have a, a men's group that I go to every uh, Thursday morning that I just love and helps me grow tremendously. And I think about uh, my good friend, Marcus, who I look up to. He, he would say he looks to me for like joy and charisma and passion, all those things. And I'm like, man, I look to you as a steady rock. Basically, if you know basketball, I call him John Stockton. He calls me <laughs> white chocolate, Jason Williams, who uh, is a guy who liked to turn the ball over a lot, but was fun to watch in basketball. <laughs> and so uh, he would say, I think, uh, I just met with him today. Like I, he would say he wouldn't consider himself an inspiring person because when I told him he inspires me, he's like, what are you talking about? How do you help those people like Marcus who have phenomenal integrity they're just the people who get the job done. They don't use a lot of words to com uh, communicate that kind of stuff or what they're doing. But to me, they're incredibly inspiring. How do you encourage them to, one, know they're inspiring, but two, inspire more people just by being themselves and not feeling they have to be somebody else? Yeah, I think that's great. That's The example you just gave there is really how it more often happens than not. It's not this, you know, this uh, charismatic person that inspires. I know a lot of charismatic people that are completely uninspiring. <laughs> and I know others like your friend that aren't necessarily quote charismatic, but who are extraordinarily inspiring because of who they are, how they lead their authenticity inspires. And 
you know, charisma might motivate, but authenticity inspires. They're authentic. They're real. They're showing up as who they are. And then also they, 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 they show, they connect with people in their own way. But I'll bet that way includes that they care about people and they genuinely care and people feel that they care about them. And that caring inspires. And they tend to create a sense of belonging. that They're part of something. They're creating something together. They're doing this with people, not to them or even for them, but with them. That creates a sense of belonging. Belonging inspires. And then they always try to connect back to their own why and help others connect to their why. And connecting to purpose inspires. So I think they do it naturally. And I think that that, you know, a lot of these people, but sometimes we can maybe even get a, a way of thinking about this, that we inspire through our modeling, we inspire through our trusting, and we inspired by connecting with people through caring and belonging, and then connecting people to their purpose. I'm laughing because you uh, basically just diagnosed Marcus without any <laughs> other context than what I gave you. Like all the things, you gave me the buckets of how I would describe Marcus and why he's yeah. inspiring. And I don't think he knows that, but those are the things. And it's funny that like, you've noticed that's a recipe for how people, that authenticity, the caring for others is a recipe for real inspiration. Absolutely. It, re it really is. When, when you walk in a building, I, I just think about my old world where I would go into different schools. Uh, when you're just trying to get a quick litmus test, again, we're not doing surveys. You're just trying to get a feel as you're going to help coach an organization or a school. How, what are some signs you're looking for to figure out if this is more of a command control world or a trust and inspire world? Yeah. You know, you can kind of feel it, sense it, see it in the interactions and that it tends to be kind of more open, flowing, natural, two-way um, dialogue and discussion and, and listening and not having to everyone defer to the, to the leader, to the superintendent and, no one says anything until the superintendent leads out, but it's just more, it just feels like we're doing this with each other. And, and, um, and I'll, I was with one just last week. I was uh, in, in, um, in Ohio near Cincinnati, um, Indian Hill school district, Indian Hill except, accepted village school district. Kirk Konecki. It's a great school district. Is the superintendent. <laughs> they are. They just was ranked number one school district in the yeah. state of Ohio by niche. And their high school, Indian Hill High School, is ranked number one high school in the state of Ohio by niche. Well, I had we had a meet and greet and and uh, with the entire team. And it was amazing. It was it was authentic. It was real. It was people were vulnerable. There was real discussion, candid discussion, and it wasn't a stilted or hierarchical type of thing. And then the great thing is we had this leadership session, and they not only invited all the, the, the leaders at the school and teachers, they invited the, the seniors, the students to this because they believed there was a leader inside of every one of them, and they said they, they care about leadership too. And, and, um, and so they were invited to this session that was designed initially for the senior leaders. And this, and, and uh, Kurt said to me, the superintendent, why wouldn't we have them come? This is what they're all about. And, and I just saw this, 
this uh, kind of a culture that was open and transparent and filled with empathy and listening and and tremendous communication and that felt more um, peer-to-peer than top-down or hierarchical and more natural and, and authentic and real. And so there's a variety of different things. And again, I'm not against having a leadership structure and the like. We need that too. It's just we're trying to do this with with each other and not to each other or even for each other in a transactional exchange. It's a sense of collaboration and partnership. And and you can kind of feel it and sense it and see it. Years ago, way before you and I ever met, you know, you were uh, your early trust work helped me kind of understand. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've said this, but it's how I walked away and received your message. If I need to use my positional leadership to influence others, I'm probably not leading. And so I always, again, I have it. It's great, but it's there like for the buck stops here. I make the decision and all of, like those are, you got to have the higher structure for, for those kind of reasons. But if I have to actually use my title or my place I have not created the culture of trust that I need to have in order to influence people. Is that correct? Beautiful. Absolutely. Dustin, you're right on that. Yeah. There's, you know, you can have nothing wrong with formal authority in a position, but if you rely upon that as the source of your, your power or your influence, that is not near as powerful as when you, your influence comes from who you are and how you lead your character, your credibility and, and your modeling and your expertise as opposed to my position makes a profound difference. I'm sure you've talked to people and I've I've been in this situation before. I know there are people listening right now who are in this situation thinking, Stephen, I love you. I love your work. I, I, my heart identifies and I yearn to build an organization, the same vision that you have. However, I'm either working under someone who does not have that same vision I'm working in an organization that does, that does not reward that type of risk-taking and thinking and all of that. What encouragement do you have for people who are kind of living in that world to not give up, but to still try to create as much impact as possible and to shift the tides wherever they're at? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that that's true of a lot of us that sometimes we feel like, Hey, this sounds like a good idea, but this won't work here <laughs> or where it's going to be hard in my situation with my leader, with my boss, with our context. And I know that that's real. I would say two things to help encourage all of us at different points. We have this going on in our lives. Uh, the first is that if we, if we can continue to kind of see uh, where things are going in society and in schools and how it's a new world out there, and people have choices and options in a way they didn't have before. So, uh, you know, attracting, retaining talent, teachers, leaders is going to be more important than ever before going forward. You know, it might be that we're in a command and control environment with maybe command and control leaders around me, but that's going to be less and less relevant going forward in this new world. And so you kind of recognize that, hey, what got us here won't get us there. And so it's kind of a recognition that, Let's just bring in some of the realities of what's happening today. The old way of doing it is going to be less and less relevant in this new world. And, kind of, and you kind of know this, that this is where things are going. We might not have caught up with it yet in our district or in our school, but it is where 
society is going. It is where expectations are going, especially with these younger generations. Well, you know, Gen Z, they they have a completely different expectation of how they want to be engaged and and led and inspired, and it's not command and control. And so you kind of know where things are going, and you kind of are saying, hey, we just need to catch up with it. But I think we will because it's going to be less effective if we don't make this movement. So that's one is you kind of recognize the streams are changing that, you know, and we're going to catch up with it. We need to. And that gives me hope that, yeah, we're behind right now, but we'll catch up. Second, you don't need to wait on anybody. You can model it. Become a model within your circle of influence of the kind of leadership that we think we would like to have. And yes, maybe you're not getting it from your boss. But you become a model of that kind of leadership for those who you lead, for those who you serve. So if I'm a principal, maybe I have a command and control superintendent and the culture at the district level is command and control, but I'm going to be, I'm going to model what a trust inspire school looks like and what a trust inspire principal looks like with my, my staff and my assistant principals and my team and my teachers. I'm not going to, necessarily perpetuate the the model I might see around me, but I'm going to show them another way of doing it. And then by being a model, the whole idea is I want to show there's a better way of doing this that works better in our world today. And so I'm trying to get results because we always have to do that, but do it in a way that grows people, that inspires trust, and that brings out the best in others. And suddenly, um, you know, my retention, maybe there's turnover all around me, but not in my school because I'm starting to do this the right way. I'm trying to become a model of the kind of leadership that's needed today. I don't need to wait on anyone on that. I acknowledge it's harder if my boss is command and control and my and the culture around me is command and control. It's like swimming upstream, but can it be done? It still can. And so I'm just saying work within your circle of influence and become a model of the kind of leadership you would like to see and show that that can work. And then if you can become a model, you can, if you can do it with one, you can do it with another. You can then influence others and mentor and coach. So don't give up. Recognize ultimately, ultimately we're going to catch up with this because we have to, to stay relevant. And then become a model of what you're talking about, the kind of leadership you would like to see. And then if people see a model, they can say, hey, you're right. Things are shifting. And well, look at what Dustin's doing. He's showing me a a better way of leading and I'm seeing that it's working because look at the results he's getting and look at the culture he's built. Wow. And, And I begin to have an impact on others. Even if you're doing that with just a few people in your one on one relationships, you know, and then, and then with your team, you work within your circle of influence. So not a, um, not an easy answer, but it gives us a starting point for all of us. And I think it's hopeful. I think it's actually, it's, it's right on. I think uh, if I go just one step deeper, it's, you know, folks, I'm a little jaded. I'm in this environment where no one wants to trust, inspire people. We just want to command and control everybody. So, all right, let me just focus on myself, but there's still going to be some people that are still, have been so beaten up by the system or their perspective where you talked about earlier to be inspiring, you got to be inspired yourself. People probably think you never have a bad day. I'm sure you've been told that before just because you are positive, right? You choose, like, again, you choose to wake up to encourage and uplift people, but you are incredibly human, incredibly genuine. And I know you have tough times uh, like the rest of us. So 
what's your encouragement for those folks who are thinking, all right, I really appreciate that challenge. I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to work on trust inspiring my little world, but I'm still not feeling very inspired myself. I'm still a little jaded. How, how do you help break your cycle whenever you get there? Or how do you help others break their cycles when they're in those kind of dark seasons of their life? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good question because I'm confident for, I, th- I would dare say for most of us, if not all of us, <laughs> at some point that happens. And, and um, in fact, um, maybe answer, let me answer this way. I love the, the quote by um, Albert Schweitzer. He says, in everyone's life, at some point, our inner fire goes out. But it is then burst into flame by an encounter with another human being. We should all be thankful for those people who rekindle the inner spirit. So I would say this, that we try to be this kind of person for another. We try to rekindle the inner spirit in those around us. And maybe we sometimes maybe might even ask someone, can you help rekindle my inner spirit in me? So yes, we do our own work. You know, that my own work is I've got to, I've got to go back to finding my why or rediscovering my why, recommitting to it, to my mission, my purpose, my vision. So I can do that on my own. And we try to do as much as we can on our own. But sometimes we may need another person to help us. And we're open enough and vulnerable enough and real enough to say, hey, I'm exhausted and I'm burnt out or I feel uninspired myself. I'm, I'm reconnecting with my mission the best I can. I'm still not quite there yet. Talk to me. Help me. Um, think of that inspire comes from the Latin term inspirare. It means to breathe life into. And sometimes we're the ones that need to breathe life into others. In fact, I think it's what we're trying to do as a leader, to breathe life into relationships, into teams, into cultures. And there might be a few times where we might need others to help breathe life into us too. So I think that, I mean, self-care and focusing on yourself matters too. And, you know, my, my simple answer is find your why or discover your why, or maybe rediscover your why. And sometimes we have to rediscover it again and again and again, recommit to it. And that is part of the answer. And occasionally though, we may need someone that we confide with and say, I'd love your help. And we choose to be open and vulnerable and ask for the help and receive the help, allow another person to rekindle our inner spirit. That's awesome. That's why uh, I was talking about that men's group earlier. That men's group is so key for me is, again, some some weeks, some days you have it, some days you don't. And it's good to have people in your life where you can just be open and honest with and let them encourage you. So it's comfortable. It's comforting to hear that you say that's a good best practice for us is, you know, while we're not feeling it, how do we breathe life into others? And let's look for the people that can help breathe life into us, right? Yeah, yeah. And as Schweitzer says, at everyone's point, at some time, our inner fire goes out. So I do think it happens to all of us. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to the rapid fire questions to close out, is there any particular topic as you think about trust and inspire or just 
the type of questions or conversations you've got into with educators over the last couple of years that you want to focus on? Is there some advice that you've commonly had to give or some question that you've helped people tackle? I would just say this, I kind of back to my starting point of, of, you know, today we have such a challenge in, in attracting and retaining our, our people, our talent and, and also uh, energizing them at a time of burnout. And so I've just seen how you lead them this way. You have a high trust team, high trust culture that inspires. You're a trust inspired leader. You don't have to be perfect. It just means that you're really trying to see and, and communicate and develop and unleash the greatness inside of those around us. I think that's our intent for almost all of us as leaders. But sometimes our style is getting in the way of our intent. So we try to adapt our style from more the traditional command and control to the trust and inspire style so that it's matched with our intent to bring out the greatness in others. Um, but when I've seen this writ large inside of a, a school district, inside of schools, it's just remarkable what you see um, because of, the, of how people are drawn to be part of that and how people are on fire. And, you know, I was just with, with one such district in Louisville, uh, independent school district in Texas. Dr. Lori Rapp is the superintendent. And, and um, you know, they talk about the, the three C's of, 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 uh, of culture and communication and connection. And, and, um, and they're trust and inspire leaders through and through. She's a trust and inspire superintendent. They have trust and inspire principles. They're approaching it this way. Here's the thing. They're one of the top performing districts. They're also, we're rated as one of the best places to work in the community. And they don't have a turnover problem. They're retaining their people. They don't have a burnout problem. They're energized. They're excited. Look, they're not perfect. They got their challenges too. But it's just remarkable to see the impact of an entire Trust Inspire culture, how it gets manifest at every level with all stakeholders and it impacts everyone. And that's why, you know, the research from um, uh, uh, Dr. Tony Bright of Stanford shows that trust not only improves learning outcomes and it, sh and it shows a three and a half by three and a half times greater probability of improving test scores. You, you know, we all care about that, but it improves other outcomes, every other outcome, parental involvement, the morale of teachers and of people, of the connection within the school, the communication, everything goes up when the trust goes up. And so trust-inspired leaders are leading in this way. And it has a, a multiplying effect on everything else that they're trying to do and with every stakeholder because they're doing it from the inside out. And so I just find that remarkable. There's a lot of great examples of trust-inspired leaders of trust-inspired teachers, trust-inspired principals, trust-inspired superintendents, and district leaders that are really breathing life into their teams, into their cultures, and they're getting um, great results, but they're also growing their people and growing that culture and building um, the connection throughout with all of their stakeholders, and it's remarkable to see. It's inspiring to see. And so I highlight this because we need models. It's easy to find lots of models of the traditional command and control approach. We need models of the trust and inspire approach 
because models can say, hey, there's a better way to do this. We don't, we're not, we don't have to be scripted to the, what we've known. Maybe we grew up with command and control. That might be our native tongue, but we can acquire a new tongue. You know, we can re-script. We're not programs. We're programmers. We can write a new script. We can write a trust and inspire script of a better way to lead in a new world of education. And that's exciting to see. And there's a lot of leaders that are doing this everywhere in education that are leading in a new way and they're getting, they're breathing life into relationships, teams, and cultures, into their schools, into their districts. And that's exciting to see. So that's my main thing is uh, um, I'm just seeing this throughout as I'm spending more time in this and working with uh, the superintendents and with principals and with districts um, uh, around this country, around the world is exciting and, and, th and thrilling to see. And obviously for, you know, the, the leader in me program and process for those that are familiar with our Franklin Covey leader in me program, that's trust and inspire in action with students. It's really saying that inside of every student, there is a leader. I see that. I communicate that so that student comes to see it in him or herself. I develop it. I unleash it. It's a trust and inspire approach with students. It also requires done well, a trust and inspire approach with our own teachers and staff so that they model this as we say, as we extend this out is truly inside out. And, and so that's a great illustration of trust and inspire models of what's possible out there. And so those are the things that I'm excited about. Oh, I got one last thing. I know I'm probably droning no, on. You're great. This is because I told you're you at the outset. Keep going. I told you at the outset there was two things I've seen, and then I gave you the first, which is that if we lead in the old model, we're going to burn people out faster and drive them out of the profession faster. Whereas Trust and Inspire will breathe life into them and energize them, and they'll not only be retained, they'll be inspired, and they will it will bring out the best in them. The second thing, so that was the first thing, that this is a better way to lead that we need today. The second thing is that I, I call these the two epic imperatives of our time for any organization today, for schools, I was with the healthcare system yesterday, for healthcare organizations, for government entities. I was with the government agency earlier this morning on a, on a virtual call, a virtual webinar um, for businesses. And here's the two imperatives. The first is the need to win in the workplace with our own people by building a high trust culture that inspires. The second is the need to win in the marketplace with our customers and partners and external stakeholders by our collaboration and innovation. So we stay relevant. We need to build a high trust culture that inspires. So we attract, retain, engage, and inspire the best people and bring out the best in people. And we need to collaborate, innovate, and stay relevant in a changing, disruptive world. We've got to do those two things. Win in the workplace, win in the marketplace. I think this applies to education as well. The way that we're going to, there's those two imperatives. We need to build a high-trust culture. Why? A high-trust culture that inspires so that we can attract, retain, engage, and inspire the best people and bring out the best in people. And we need to collaborate and innovate so we stay relevant in a changing educational world. And the old model, command and control, won't produce those two outcomes. You can't command and control your way to a high trust culture that inspires. You can't command and control your way to collaboration and innovation. But 
you can trust and inspire your way to both of those outcomes. We can win in the workplace. We can win in the marketplace. And I think that um, in education, in a sense, winning in the marketplace is the idea of we want our students to succeed and the students and their families and the communities and our stakeholders, but our students and seeing that as that is vital, we've got to do it, but the best way we will help our students succeed is by also winning with our own people, with our own teachers, with our own staff. And, and, um, and so that, that they feel inspired and they can then continue to pass that on to the students like they do so well. And we're, always a little bit afraid to put anything ahead of students. And, you know, I'm not going to argue with anyone that says students first. Of course, we've got to do that. But I am putting a little caveat in that and saying, yes, and the best way we will keep our students first is by winning with our own people right in the workplace. And if that comes first, we will do the second. We've talked about the original Southwest model, right? Before where he talks about, uh, it wasn't customers first. It was his people first. And yeah. by loving and taking care of his people, he believed that modeling would take care of the customers. And so I think you're spot on with educators is that if we, as the adults in the building, take care of our adults, the frontline teachers will then model that for their kids. That's right. It's inside out. So the way we will win in the marketplace, the way we will succeed with our students is because we worth first succeed with our own people with our own team. We will build this high trust culture that inspires and our, and our teachers will be at their very best. They have so much. They're giving everything they have to begin with, but they will we'll remove those obstacles. We'll clear the path. They'll have life breathed into them. And, and, um, and then we get it from them too, back to us and they pass it on to their students and we will achieve at our best potential. We'll, our performance will match our potential. That's what we're trying to do here. At every level. Well, let's let's real quickly, because I can give you your day back. Let's get to the rapid fire questions. Uh, you've done them before, but I'm curious as we continue to evolve where you're at now. So the first question, what's a habit or discipline you're using on a daily basis or a weekly basis to help you be the best version of yourself? I have a, a morning, a series of morning rituals that I do every morning. It's my daily private victory from the seven habits. And it's my version that includes exercising while I simultaneously I'm also doing my focusing on my spirit with connecting to my values and to the things that matter to me. And then I try to also um, uh, go through some rituals to connect with people. So they have that emotional social connection. Um, and, and then, and then I, you know, do my planning. So my mental planning, I, I go through my sharpen the saw every morning I did it this morning. I try to do it. I do it a little bit less on vacation. I end up doing it, but maybe not always in the morning. And I might spread it out throughout the entire day. But I try to have a morning ritual that really makes it easier for me. There's a power to ritual. And, and that way it makes it easier to do. I agree. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, what's a book you've read recently or that you just had in your mind for a long time that you think other people need to check out? Here's one. It's an older book. But it's been on my mind. I recently reread it. It's called Touch Points. It's written by Doug Conant, the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company, and Meta Norgard, who has been with Franklin Covey. Brilliant. Um, and and um, 
touch points. And the idea is that, that um, it's in those small interactions, those often interruptions between a leader and his or her direct reports, where they feel like, gosh, my whole day is just filled with fires and interruptions. I'm putting out all day long. People just come to me. They are making the argument, those are touch points. That is where the work of leadership is done. Those are not interruptions. That's the work of leadership in those small touch points, those hundreds of touch points that happen every day with us as leaders. It's not in your isolating yourself and trying to do your strategic work. It's on those interactions. So it's a complete paradigm shift that it's in those interactions. That's where leadership is done. They like to say the action is in the interaction. So it's a shift of paradigm of my greatest leadership is done in those, in those little interactions, those little touch points that we have every day with multiple uh, stakeholders. Those are the, that's where leadership is done. I love that. I'm going to order that now um, as I press this on Amazon. Uh, all right. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, last time we had this massively long conversation about your favorite band. We can go there again, but the question really is simple of if you had a walk-up song right now or a motivational song and maybe something you actually do in your daily ritual, what's your go-to song right now to get you uh, in the right kind of frame of mind for the day? Okay. Well, the walk-up song that I've had many people put on, on, on conferences has been Billy Joel's A Matter of Trust. Oh, because you, know, you got that song, A Matter of Trust, and most people know it. And I've yes. had, I walked up to that song several times before. It kind of, you know, sets the stage. I'm going to talk about trust. So yes. uh, Billy Joel, A Matter of Trust is a great walk-up song. And then, as you know, where I went last time, I'll just give a little, little shout out to it. Anything Coldplay inspires me. So I love Coldplay. And so you put on a great Coldplay song, like Fix You, I'm Ready. That, that, uh, that, that breathes life into me. And, and uh, I continue to love that band. I just love how the music builds. But I, since I've called that out with a few folks who know you really well, lately, they, nobody was surprised by it. I was the only person who was surprised how much you loved Coldplay. Everybody else was like, oh, God, yeah, he loves them. They're great. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're convincing others to also appreciate Coldplay, apparently, with your, with your passion. <laughs> okay, good. Um, last, last question, uh, and it doesn't need to be uh, too long by any means. What's the best piece of advice that you've received lately or someone close to you's received lately or just on your mind for leadership or personal change that you just have to share with them? It's what I learned from my father, and it ties to one of the fundamental beliefs of a trust-inspired leader that they, they, um, they see leadership as stewardship, and therefore they put service above self-interest. And a way of operationalizing that, a mantra a personal mantra for me is what I got from my father, a way of operationalizing, putting service above self-interest is this expression. Seek to bless, not to impress. And I use that as a mantra. I did, I, I, I go through that. I repeat that to myself. I think about it before any speech I give. What's my goal here? Am I trying to impress people or bless people? Before this podcast, I, I went through this. What's my goal for this podcast? Trying to impress or bless? Seek to bless, not to impress. That gets my head in the right place, my heart in the right place, that I'm trying to put service above self-interest. It's not about me. It's about trying to add value. I learned this from my father. 
Seek to bless, not to impress. I've adopted it as a personal mantra. And, and it helps me put service above self-interest. And it's a way of uh, really operationalizing that, making it real. And so that's my little, little caption. So I'm stealing the thermometer example. I'm ordering the touch points book and I'm stealing the blessed, not impress. Uh, this has been quite the conversation as they all have, but I appreciate you bringing your whole head and heart to this work. I feel blessed by my time with you every time I'm with you. And so I'm curious as folks are listening and they've heard you talk about you visiting other districts that probably aren't theirs. How can people discover, figure out how to work more with you? They, obviously, they can go check out your book, but what are other ways to dive into your content? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so um, the books, Trust and Inspire, The Speed of Trust. Um, we have uh, some, you can go to websites called Trust and Inspire and Speed of Trust. And and just, you can follow me there. I'm on social media. Um, I'm LinkedIn on X. I, I used to always say Twitter, but now I guess it's X and, and, uh, um, and also, um, um, Instagram and uh, at Stephen M. R. Covey. And so, um, you can follow me there and on LinkedIn and, and then, uh, and I love to work in education. I'm doing a lot of work there now. It's exciting for me. Um, uh, you can reach, uh, my colleague, David Casperson, and it's just David at speedoftrust.com. And, and uh, to explore if I could do something with you and your team in any way or your district. Love to do it. Love to explore it and work with, uh, with uh, people really everywhere to try, to try to create models of trust-inspired leadership to show what we can do today in our world and how we, becoming such a model can then ripple out and we can then become a mentor and help others. So a lot of ways to connect with me. The best compliment I can give you today, sir, is, you know, I've been fortunate enough to uh, have read your books. I've been fortunate enough to have seen you speak a few times. I've been fortunate enough to have you be stuck in a car with me for a couple of hours on the way to an airport. Uh, and I remember. every time I feel blessed by your presence, sincerely, just by your heart of how you um, always make everyone around you more important than yourself. And, you know, coming into an interview like this, I obviously hope to learn something, but I'm walking away with more energy. And I feel like you definitely, a great way to describe it is you definitely breathe life into me and I'm sure you've done it for others. And so I just thank you for uh, being intentional about blessing, not impressing because it's, it works. And I just appreciate you bringing your whole, whole head and heart to this. Thanks, Destin. That means a lot, especially coming from <laughs> you. I appreciate <laughs> our friendship, our relationship, and also. I think what you're doing with this podcast and the other work that you do, that you're breathing life into others. I think this podcast breathes life into others. Change starts here. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful reminder. This is ultimately inside out at every level. And you do that. So thank you. I'm humbled by what you said. And I send it right back to you. <laughs>